Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And what a week it has been. The last time we recorded, we were talking about James Corden, and now I feel like... It's been decades yeah, since that. I know. I mean, that's always like so challenging with like our record times. I feel like it all changed so rapidly overnight, even before the Oprah interview. So, so, so much has happened from the bullying accusations and the interview and the fallout from the interview. So we'll get into all that. A couple of royal reminders, as always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join the Facebook group Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast and in the purple icon app, leave us a royal review. Wait, the purple Please, icon app? Five stars. The purple the podcast app? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> is that what it's called? The purple icon app? I mean, it's a purple icon. Oh, <laughs> it is the purple icon app. I love it. <laughs> Tap that. Leave us a five-star review. Please, please. We don't know why, but the powers that be, that makes us rise in the ranking somewhere. So we would be so grateful. You can always send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I mean, I think this week has been a whirlwind. I think, you know, we were all, I don't want to say looking forward to Sunday night, but, you know, we were definitely, it was on our calendars from the moment it was announced and then just sort of how devastating it was. It was, yeah. I mean, I'm still processing everything that Megan and Harry said and I don't know. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I think I was most surprised at at um, how much they shared and, and the gravity of all of it. I think for me, like I kind of just – I expected those teasers, like I said, to kind of be – almost similar to like when a movie trailer comes out and you see all the best parts of the movie and you're like, okay, got it. Like nothing else is going to be that like intense. And I thought they would talk a lot about the happiness that they've experienced while living in California. And it just, it was heartbreaking. And I thought a lot more about Archwell too. I mean, they did get into that, yeah. but I think that's what I thought from the teasers as well. And then it was completely from the first few minutes we talked about on Monday from the first few minutes, we were like, this is, this is going to be intense. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm glad this this episode will be covering kind of the clips that we haven't seen as much. So the ones that aired the next day, in case anyone's missed those, and we'll get into that. Um, but also, you know, what happened after the interview, we have the response from uh, the Queen, the statement from the Queen in Buckingham Palace. We have um, some celebrities coming to um, talk about Meghan and Harry and... Not What's on next? the podcast, but we're updating <laughs> for the royal. Family. No, the way you yeah. said, it, I was like, we have celebrities coming to talk. I felt like, oh, I, I would love some celeb guests joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Beyonce is not on the podcast oh. right now. Just to make that clear. <laughs> also, we do have the numbers that you know this. It's 
you know, pretty outstanding for an, a network like CBS to land, you know, 17 million viewers watching live. And then in the UK the following night um, when it aired, 11 million people tuned in. And that's not even counting the people that, you know, watched it later on, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, just everyone, appointment television and just the stakes of this interview, people really, really cared to hear their perspective. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into all this, obviously we have our royal refreshment, but it didn't feel quite appropriate to have a... Uh, alcoholic drink. It's also 9.30 in the morning on Wednesday, so <laughs> I can't swing it before a full work day. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. So in honor of Archie, Roberta and I thought it would be fun to drink some water since one of his go-to words right now is hydrate, and I am very happy to hydrate. How about you? <laughs> I am too, and I love that that insight into their lives hydrate. And well, I also thought it was so cute when it was like Harry said the other thing is that he keeps saying, drive safe, drive safe. Hmm. That's what it was. That's what it was. So cute. Yeah. So, so cute. All right. While we're sipping our water in honor of Archie, Emily in Texas wrote us a reader email last week after the James Corden episode aired. Now, reminder, this is before the Oprah interview aired, um, and she wrote to say that she loved the pod. She also said... I can't imagine what it would be like for my own family drama and office politics to be intertwined and then plastered across media channels 24-7. They are royals, but they're people too, and I think they're all hurting. They have their own pasts and struggles and goals and relationships they are trying to reconcile with themselves and one another, and instead of support, their life is sold for clicks. Someday, I truly hope to see these two brothers together again. Maybe if we focus on the good, it will spread. Good luck, Emily in Texas. Oh, thanks, Emily, for writing in. I just feel like her note, the whole their life is sold for clicks. Like, I think that was on, you know, hearing Harry talk about that invisible contract and the fear surrounding that on Sunday night. You know, that was a really big reveal. Yeah, I feel like Emily is clairvoyant because this still like applies so much after the interview and all that we know. I feel like also the messiness of having a family business. I Mm -hmm. mean, their family drama and office politics are intertwined. That just I feel like that really hits home for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard to separate. And they said they even that they themselves admitted to compartmentalizing those two things. So I think, yeah, it, it really nailed the it. The tabloid relationship just really fascinates me. It continues like that whole, like the dichotomy there, but also just like the lessons not learned from Diana with that. Like, I think mm-hmm. that for me, you know, hearing that, you know, Harry and Megan talk about that and knowing that tabloid culture is just so victimizing. Like we lost Diana at the hands of that in a lot of ways. And of course, what Meghan Markle experienced with racism is on a totally different scale. Mm -hmm. And as Oprah kind of questions like, but they're the queen, you know, you're the queen, you know, it's the queen. How can they not have more power than the tabloids? But there's that fear. It's, it's, it's definitely a lot to kind of unpack for me hearing those Totally. There was the mention of those holiday parties too with the royal family and kind of how that relationship is just so nuanced. And so we, we, I feel like barely know the half of it, but, um, all right. Well, this week in royal history. And now this week in royal history. We're going to flash back to a year ago when Megan had her last solo engagement as a working royal. So she visited Robert Clack School in Dagenham uh, for International Women's Day in 2020, right before the world really locked down. Um, The timing of that is crazy, right? It's like, because that was really, I mean, I actually think we're recording for us. This is the one year anniversary of our last day in the office. I looked back at the photos. Oh, wow. Like this was oh our day, the day we were sent home with COVID. Isn't that kind of staggering? And that 
you know, this was also the week that Harry and Meghan were on their final tour in the UK. Oh, this is also our 50th episode. Oh, yeah. And it's our 50th episode. (laughs) So (laughs) many anniversaries today. My gosh. I know. Um, So Dagenham is interesting. It was where female sewing machinists walked out on a strike at the Ford Motor Plant in 1968, which actually later led to the passing of the UK's Equal Pay Act in 1970. So on the Sussex Royal Instagram account, Megan says this is why she chose this town in particular and the school. So I thought that was really thoughtful. She said, well, when we thought about what I wanted to do for International Women's Day this year, for me, it was incredibly important to be with the women of the future. And this is the event where um, I feel like we all remember this moment where she brings up a young male student, Aker Okoye, and he is supposed to say what International Women's Day means to him. But he kind of <laughs> veers off topic a little bit. He goes, she's beautiful in it. <laughs> I and loved that. The that was... crowd of school kids explodes, loses well, it. Well, because you can because... also picture, like, right, like the sort of, like, you know, all those when you were in school, like the people that you kind of loved and they like would say something kind of like not expected and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they go rogue and you're yeah. like, yeah. That's yes. why you love them. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I hope this guy's like class president or something. Yeah, me too. Um, he went on to say, I just want International Women's Day for all of us to be a reminder of how strong our community is with the women in it. So I thought it was just crazy. We're not going to spend very much time on this this history part, but I did think it was wild to look back at Sussex Royal posts in hindsight, knowing what we know now. I think all of the posts from this day are these like video montages of the students just like absolutely losing it, overseeing Megan and cheering for her and clapping. And they form this like tunnel of like her walking through and they're shaking her hand and they're all so happy. And she just she looks like she's so in her element and knowing now what we know from the Oprah interview and everything that's happened, it just feels like, it's like, look what you're missing. I know. I think that that's what's so staggering for me is like the absolute beyond everything else, which is very, very hard to, you know, take in, but just the absolute loss of what Meghan and Harry together, but individually brought to the table and brought to the monarchy, like the conversations in the interview comparing, you know, the Australia tours. And like, you look at those images and like, I remember being so captivated by them. And like, I mean, I'm obviously royally obsessed, but I feel like you could just feel the sort of energy that they were radiating, even through Mm -hmm. those images and those video Mm -hmm. clips. And, but yeah, I mean, I think it's smart that you went back, you know, just looking over Sussex Royal, like I've been thinking a lot about how I want to go back to even something like Finding Freedom now and reread it in light of the Oprah conversation. Just like how will I view everything differently? It really changes everything. I know. I do too in our our spare time. (laughs) I know in our spare time. (laughs) Understatement. Well, so we wanted to, you know, we obviously we talked a lot on Monday in our special bonus episode to recap the interview, but we do want to, we thought it would be a good idea to focus on some of the bonus clips that were aired on CBS this morning the next day because they're kind of the less talked about revelations, but they're also incredibly, incredibly interesting. It also just, I mean, uh, I almost called you Oprah. <laughs> Oprah? You can call me yeah, Oprah, Oprah right? what, a, what a compliment, my gosh. Um, but I feel like... It's a little early. <laughs> it's a little early. Um, but I just think all I can think is like with, with the revelations we've been receiving, like even just the you know, that the Queen and Prince Philip weren't the ones that commented on on the Archie's skin color. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how much was left on the cutting room floor and how much is going to continue to be kind of continue to be put out there? Yeah. And continue to be revealed. I know. I thought about that, too, a lot of, along the lines of how expertly they edited this interview mm-hmm. and how there seems to be like no pause, no break in between. We know this took, I think Oprah said over three hours of time. Um, and that could have been just with Megan. I'm not sure if that was the total time or, or what, but to think that like there is so, so much still that had, that didn't make it in even with these additional clips. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. I just, I think there's, there's still a lot to be revealed. I mean, people are questioning who was the one that said the comment about Archie's skin and it really, like you said, it's really narrowed down to just a few people. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's interesting if we'll ever get an answer to that. I know, exactly. I don't know if we will. Uh, well, so the first clip we want to talk about is just additional insight on blindsiding the queen, because that was the major narrative back in January 2020 that how could Harry and Meghan do this? Like, they really surprised her. But Harry is completely clear in this bonus clip that he has too much respect for the queen. They had had multiple conversations. He said three with the queen, two conversations with Charles before, as we now know, Charles stopped taking his calls. When And this was in December when they were still in Canada. And then before they even flew back to the UK, Harry put his plan in writing and shared the contents of that letter with Charles and with the firm at the end of December. And this is the letter that came out and we all know that was published on January 8th. And that's the letter that everyone was like, how could they just release it as a letter? Like, without Mm -hmm. kind of getting that all approved. Mm -hmm. Um, And But Harry reveals in this clip that the Queen's response when they were chatting in December was, the second you land in January, back in the UK, you and Meghan, please come to tea at Sandringham and we can have a chat. And so, but then this happened. The moment we landed in the UK, I got a message from my private secretary, Fiona, at the time. Uh, Private secretary is sort of like a CEO role. Cutting cutting and pasting a message from the Queen's private secretary, basically saying, "Please pass on to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex that he cannot come to Norfolk. The Queen is busy. She's busy all week." After she just invited you, yeah, just invited me. The Queen's busy. She's busy all week. Do not come up here. So Harry, he you know elaborates more in the clip, saying that he was completely taken aback. He called the Queen as soon as they landed, and she confirmed that things had been added to her diary and that she was no longer available. And it sounded in the clip to me like he wasn't even putting the blame on her. He was saying, when you're head of the firm, this was a quote, people around you give you advice. Some of that advice is really bad. It's so crazy to me that like, the amount of people who went out of their way to kind of prevent this from happening. I do think that, and and if they had been talked about for, for months and even years, why, why all of a sudden was she unavailable? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I, it's, it's mind blowing to me. I think it's fascinating that you, you know, just kind of looking at the infrastructure where it's like the three different houses, there's Clarence house, Kensington mm-hmm. palace, Buckingham palace, and they all are kind of individual brands within the firm and they're playing each other so much as Harry kind of revealed. And I look at it like that volume of meddling that they use to their benefit. We know that from prior conversations that like to plant different stories and change the narrative because they have that relationship with the press, you know, that's a hard thing to to contend with. Yeah. I don't know if things would have turned out that differently if they had kept the meeting, though. 
I mean, I guess the narrative that they wouldn't have blindsided her wouldn't have. Maybe they would have kept trying. I don't know that. I, I mean, yeah, we can't predict that. But maybe if they had had a conversation with the queen, they wouldn't have felt so much pressure to just take take it into their own hands because their mental health was at stake. Like they had mm-hmm. to act quickly because they had to protect themselves. And that's the other thing is like I look at just, you know, when they released that, they also knew how much they were about to lose. Like, right. you know, I looking back at that, you know, they would they knew they'd be financially cut off, no security. They were already continuing to receive death threats due to racism that was ongoing. And also that just having no protection for them and Archie and only Diana's money to lean on. Like, I just can't imagine how desperate they were feeling. And perhaps a conversation with the queen would have maybe tempered that. I mean, there's no way to know. It's so interesting, too, to think like how coronavirus and the pandemic plays into all of this in terms of timing. Because had they waited to have an audience with the queen, and let's say it had taken a couple weeks or whatever, her schedule needed to clear up, and they weren't able to even leave the UK. I mean, they'd still be there to this day, assuming, you know, like mm-hmm. it just, or or I guess oh, they yeah, were. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, they came back in March and that was supposed to be their last engagement. But I, I don't know. They were in Canada at the time when they sent this. So I guess that's different. But I mean, like with everything that has played out, it feels like it had to happen this way almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For them to be where they are. I guess. Yeah. I know you can't, it's amazing how much you can't predict about life, right? And just the way things are going to go down. I also thought just to go back to the original interview, Harry's revelation about, you know, Diana's role in their kind of salvation, if you will, like the money she left to Harry was what enabled them to get their footing, figure out life. And then, and then they were able to kind of work out those deals with Netflix and Spotify so that they had more financial support. Yeah. I loved um, Roxanne Gay's tweet that one of our producers pointed us to. She said, still thinking about this, Diana's spirit really has been working overtime to F Charles and Camilla up. Like, seriously, though, Diana, I mean, without her, I feel like she also tweeted, damn, look at Diana financing Meghan and Harry's freedom. They really let history repeat itself. Yeah. She has some great tweets about. I actually <laughs> oh. keep going to Charles Spencer's tweets, like her Twitter account, oh, just to I see. He hasn't said anything. He's on a book tour, or he's promoting his recent book. But I feel like I'm just so curious because we know he has had such a c- close relationship with both Harry and William since Diana's mm. passing. What's I, he been saying? Nothing about this. Oh, nothing. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. So, I'm just curious how you know how everyone's in touch differently with Harry and Meghan yeah. during this time, but. The next clip we want to talk about is why Weighty Katie will always be different than what Megan went through. And this is a really important distinction, another clip shared on CBS this morning, the following day, because we know that the racist vitriol in the tabloids is just on a completely different level. Uh, Megan talks about how you can't compare, isn't it, I guess the expression is it's not apples to apples, like the coverage of Megan, people experiencing treatment by the press that wasn't favorable isn't what Megan experienced. So Megan explains that more here. I think the volume of what was coming in and the interest was greater because of social media, because of the fact that I was not just British, um, and that unfortunately, if members of his family say, well, this is what's happened to all of us, or if his, you know, if if they can compare what the experience that I went through was similar to what has been shared with us, Kate was called Weighty Katie, 
waiting to marry William, while I imagine that was really hard, and I do, I can't picture what that felt like, this is not the same. And if a member of his family will comfortably say, we've all had to deal with things that are rude, rude and racist are not the same. I heard a lot of criticism, too, of like, well, didn't, I mean, just as Kate has, has you know, kind of dealt with a intense tabloid scrutiny before, didn't Megan understand that that's what was coming her way? And But it's on such a different level when she is biracial, she is American. Like, just, I just feel like that's not, yeah, it's not the same at all. And in... Also, Kate had so long to prepare for this. They were dating for, what, eight years before they got married? Megan didn't even Google Prince Harry. Like, they, it was so fast. Yeah, you know? and like, she had a totally separate life. And But but I think the bottom line is also that Weighty Katie is not the same as straight out of Compton, which is what right. they, was being spread. Um, one other thing I did want to mention about this clip is that Harry also nodded to his ab- ability, watching it all play out, to visualize how all of this would end. And I just can't help but think, you know, that moment where Harry had to walk behind the coffin of Princess Diana and knowing behind the scenes what Meghan was going through, it must have been just like, I mean, I can't imagine what he was going through and that he had the courage to make this choice for his family. Mm-hmm. But I did want to ask you, I mean, with the Diana, there's so many Diana comparisons going on right now. Like, imagine if social media existed during the Diana era. I mean... I can't imagine. And that's what Megan was dealing with times all, you know, the racism factor, the racist factors of this. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's what made it so hard. Like the, not only the tabloids, but also the racist trolls on social media that targeted them. I mean, Megan has said it was almost unsurvivable. I can't imagine Diana being attacked for being, quote, unstable, dealing with her mental health problems. But this is on such a more sickening level. Yeah, than having everyone in your DMs. Do. Yeah, right. right. Um, I did want to also call out that one of the more poignant moments of the interview for me was when Harry made the comparison between the lack of support from his family and the and the firm, but then you have over seventy female members of Parliament that called out the colonial undertones of what Megan of the Megan coverage, and then his own family was silent. There's a great piece in the in the New York Times actually, and this is one of my fa- I don't want to say favorite reads. That feels wrong, but one of the more, um, I've read it a few times, this piece about Harry confronting his own white privilege via Meghan. And it's the, mm-hmm. I want to read this quote. It says, Harry suggests the royals were not merely unwilling to accept his biracial black wife and their multiracial child, but also what Markle embodied, the millions of black people throughout Britain and the Commonwealth who finally saw themselves in the monarchy through Markle's existence, finding optimism in this interracial union. So I think it just, again, it's just such a a loss because of what she represented to all the people that are a part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. And she even mentions that, too, that her popularity, she said, I think like 60 to 70 percent of the Commonwealth is black. And to have them not recognize, not respect, not uplift that person who has now, you know, she even calls out Archie's line in a book is like, I see it and I can be it. And she said, that's so touching to me because he says, I can be it. And she feels like people can see her as this black royal and and be, you know, inspired. Like they lost out on this amazing asset and 
uh, yeah. And I see Diana parallels too. It's like, why didn't right. they recognize? I mean, obviously there were different things at play there. I mean, that was a marriage falling apart, but it's like, you know, they just didn't think that through, which seems like just such a no brainer that they could have, it doesn't undermine Kate and William's role or Charles' role to have Meghan and Harry be stars, in my opinion. I mean, obviously I'm not, I didn't grow up with a monarchy and my yeah. growing up in the U.S., but. To play devil's advocate though, like with knowing that Charles wants a slimmed down monarchy, mm-hmm. like was this always the plan for them? Like, did they want, they did they want just the line of succession and no one else? Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know how much that plays into all that's happened. And I've thought about that a lot over the past couple of days. And, mm-hmm thinking about the titles and how he wasn't Archie was not allowed to have a title and security and was this you know are we seeing what what it would have been like had Charles been king mm-hmm. i guess is my question mm-hmm. and but if that's the case like it doesn't excuse not providing security for someone not protecting one of your own your your grandson i just yeah so all right let's let's Let, go to the yeah third let's go to the clip. third clip so yeah. the, this one is um about you know just our oprah asked megan about her relationship with thomas markle because obviously that has been a huge part of all of this over the last couple of years since she got married and so in a final clip megan speaks about that in particular how aggressive the tabloids were with her dad but also Thomas Markle's accountability in it all. Being hunted down, it seemed like you were saying in some ways that they did this to him. So I want you to be able to clarify this, that the, that the tabloids, the media did this to him, they hunted him, mm-hmm. but he has a responsibility in it too. Everyone has accountability. Look, mm-hmm. they've hunted my mom down. Right. And, and you've she never, didn't speak to the tabloids. You've never heard her say a word. A She's word. remained in silent dignity for four years watching me go through this. Again, these additional clips are, you know, just add that much more to the interview. So I think, you know, just I I think about Doria and just like she was likely, I mean, we don't know for a fact that it was at the same level as what Thomas Markle, but I'm assuming it was, you know, the tabloid journalist moving in next door to Thomas Markle. But she didn't, she kept kind of the following, I guess they, it sounds like they were trained to say no comment as Megan kind of revealed in the interview Mm -hmm. that at the beginning, that was one of the trainings. She didn't get a lot of training. It sounds like shocking. Uh, But, you know, Doria really just, I can't imagine what she was experiencing watching her daughter be just crucified in the media. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I feel like when Megan says silent dignity, I think that there are there are some people that are equipped to kind of handle this and and be able to, you know, do the no comment. And mm-hmm. but I think that would be so hard. And Thomas Markle just could not stand it. And he he said recently he came, he did another after the Oprah interview, another press circuit and went on Good Morning Britain and said that he will not stop talking to the press until they answer him, Harry and Meghan. And I feel a little bit sorry for him. He said he's apologized a hundred times or so about the tabloid photos. He also keeps doing this to himself, and he admitted that. But it's so gut-wrenching to know that your father just cannot step away from this, like, monster that's, mm-hmm. that, has, that has a hold of him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think – I mean, he said he's never met his grandson before. That's heartbreaking, too. Like, I, I, I have pity for him, but – like Megan said, he did this to himself, you know? So yeah. no, I totally. How, how sorry can you feel for him when he's been, he's repeatedly showed that he doesn't have the willpower or the control to actually 
deny the press access to him. I know. I think that there's a massive amount of conflict there. Well, I want to quickly just mention this last bonus clip before we move on, but uh, because this was another one that was dropped, but this one not on CBS this morning, on OprahMag.com. This came out yesterday. Just And I liked this clip only because we hear a lot of conversation about, well, if Harry and Meghan want privacy, why do they keep putting themselves in the spotlight? And I think Meghan has the perfect answer to that and explanation, and I completely agree with what she says. I think life is about being able to share our stories and share parts of our lives that you're comfortable with. There's no one who's on Instagram or social media that would say, because I shared this one picture, that entitles you to have my entire camera roll. Go ahead, look through it. No one would want that. So it's about boundaries and it's about respect. They've created a false narrative. We, I mean, I've never talked about privacy. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a basic understanding. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So I liked hearing her comment on that. So we got a statement from Buckingham Palace last night. We don't need to reread it here, but I just wanted to highlight a few things. So it addresses Harry and Meghan. There's no titles. They're just being addressed as family members, but also... You know, Megan specifically talks about titles in the Oprah interview, so we're going to play that. If it meant he was going to be safe, then of course. All the grandeur surrounding this stuff is an attachment that I don't personally have, right? I've been a waitress, an actress, princess, a duchess. I've always just still been Megan, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm clear on who I am independent of that stuff. And the most important title I will ever have is mom. I know that. It does make me think that... There's a possibility that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex titles could be taken away. I hate to think that, but I I think with Buckingham Palace referring to them as just Harry and Meghan and them really having this explosive interview, like it just wouldn't surprise me to have the palace that as a reaction step in yeah and it's it stinks to think that because I think that would be really really low blow, but as Megan said, like, she's lost so much already at this point. Like, what is a title to her? Like, it's just she has no attachment to the grandeur anymore, you mm-hmm. know? I couldn't tell if that was their attempt at being more personal, just saying Harry, Megan, and Archie in the yeah. in the message. But, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's – it's like that's such a – like, if that's your attempt at being personal, it's like it's just not enough. <laughs> right. Like, saying sad. They're saddened. Like, I don't want to have to read between the lines on something like this. Exactly. They also say the issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. So to be clear, the issues are not about race. They're about racism. And I think that that distinction is so, so important here. The fact that the statement can't say the word racism, they like it's almost like they're too afraid to say it out loud. That's what I got from that mm-hmm. part. They also say, while some recollections may vary and how challenging this has been, that is gaslighting. And I texted you when I read this and thought, this is calling them a liar. Mm -hmm. Like this is calling them liars because it's basically saying there are two sides to every story. And what Harry and Meghan have, have said in this Oprah interview is not how we remember things. And that is like, yeah, you can't, it's, it's like a punch to the stomach. Like I just, I don't know why they would include this in the statement. Yeah. I think that the best thing to do would be to take responsibility 
And even if you are handling it privately, which I, I, I have an issue with that because I feel like this is now an issue concerning everyone and not just the royal family. Like, we all need to know how this is going to be tackled. But while some recollections may vary, is giving power to the people online who are saying that they're lying. Mm-hmm. That's a and very think, good point, yeah. And I don't think that that's... Well, that's the right sentiment. And I think I read a couple of places and whether, you know, it's again, it's hearsay a lot of it. So it's hard to know what's actually going on behind the scenes. But I read some reports in reputable sources that they were really grappling with how to respond and they were taking extra time. And then to get this, it's like, I feel like they just need a new team of people that are handling these types of things. Like it's the whole show us you care from when Diana died. It's like we need more of you. We need to feel that this is like having an impact and really shaking you guys to the core in the way it's shaking us to the core. Yeah. I would have I would have appreciated them spending more time on this and having having thought through it a little bit more and taking like a week to kind of gather their thoughts and having a longer statement that really does feel like it takes all of this seriously instead of this feels so short. It feels like it's it's inadequate. It's not. I think it's just sixty one words. Peter Hunt. I was reading his column. He said that in the um, yeah. He was he was he actually did the math on how many words the the statement is. It's after a two hour interview. It just it's not enough. Um, Prince Charles was asked about the interview at an event yesterday, and he wouldn't answer the reporter's question about how he felt about the interview with Harry. No definitive word. Those sources say he is in a state of despair. But I do feel like, and we talked about this, Rachel, offline, that it feels like we need to hear from him personally and from William and Kate as well. I I mean, if anyone is implicated, like, for Harry to come and tell Oprah it wasn't the Queen and it wasn't Philip, it's like... Who's left? Imagine if you were like, so it wasn't these two people that I live with and you live with only three other people. Yeah. Like okay, well, then it's one of those people, right? And so I just think that they need to come forward and have their own statements and talk to people. Yeah, what do you want to see? That's what I'm like. I think that that was the question I was trying to answer for myself is like, I kind of feel like I don't want to see like these continued business as usual Instagram posts. Like every time it pops up, I'm like, I think I just have this like rush of like, oh, are they going to say something? And then I'm disappointed. But I I also, I know it's a pandemic, but I kind of, I don't even need to see this myself, I guess, because then it would feel like a performative. Like, I want a grand gesture where it's like Charles and Kate and William, like they go to California and they get on a plane and they like, I just want them to like take Harry and Meghan into their arms and like just apologize. But I mean, obviously, I would never see that play out if it did. Who knows what they're doing? But like, it's just, I need something, a grand gesture. Yeah, we need something Not concrete. even a gesture. It's not even a gesture, yeah. though. It's like the, yeah. the, to kick off all the work that they're going to be doing. Right, right. I mean, I guess, like, I kind of want to see them do something similar. But, like, I want, I want, I want to hear from them and hear what they have to say. And because I think, like, we're all just reeling from what's been said on Megan and Harry's side, and 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 I want to know where William and Kate stand in all of this, and and if it's not till this summer when we see Harry go over for the unveiling of the Diana statue and they're together. Do you I think that they'll I, still go back for that? I, I think so. I don't think Megan will because of the pregnancy, but I do think 
Mm-hmm. I do think Harry will. So yeah. All right, and then last thing, Piers Morgan. Bye bye. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Off. Good morning, America. Good morning, America. Good morning, Britain. After he walked off set because one of his co-anchors called him out, he has officially resigned from Good Morning Britain, which I believe is a bright spot. He was one of Megan's biggest detractors. He said he didn't believe a word of the interview. He questioned the validity of her statements about having suicidal thoughts, and then he tried to walk back those comments. I just... I'm deep I think breathing. This is, like, a, this is a big win yeah. for Team Sussex. I think, um, I think it was just reported, actually, that Megan filed a complaint through ITV and um, he was being investigated by Ofcom. There was 40 over 40,000 complaints about his his comments on the Oprah interview. I don't think this is the last we'll hear from him. He's no doubt going to start his own podcast where he continues to bash them and is just a stinking heap of human garbage. But but it is at least he's off air. I think it is kind of the proof of change, like the possibility of change, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, speaking up and and making it clear how you feel like it, like you said, for over 40,000 people called, you know, filed complaints like I look at what the tabloids are saying right now. You know, have you looked at any of those covers and just they're polling, like doing polls about stripping Harry and Meghan of their titles and like all this stuff. And it's just like, it just needs to stop. Yeah. All right. Should we do our highs and lows? Yes, we shall. (laughs) It's time for the royal highs and lows. You go first. My low is just a general sadness, doom and gloom. I feel like I'm still processing everything that was said and... Um, this quote from Dr. Shola Mosheg-Bamimus, told, she told Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain, she said, you can love the queen and be able to call out the actions done by the royal family when they get it wrong. That resonates, I feel like, to call out what has what has happened and to want positive change um, is something that we're all kind of struggling with right now. And it's just... I don't know. I, I This whole week has been just kind of really upsetting. And I hope that we hear more from them. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the whole where do we go from here in a lot of ways that we've been kind of yeah. feeling a lot of. So my love of the week was something, you know, unrelated to this, but it it is very much in line with what's going on. Just the update that Martin Bashir, who conducted the Panorama interview famously on the BBC with Diana, won't face any charges for the manipulation that went on behind the scenes with that. We know that Charles Spencer had revealed that he had falsified bank statements to him in a kind of tactic to get... He basically said that his one of Charles Spencer's staff members was being paid to leak info on Diana, and that led Spencer to introduce Diana to Bashir. Um, so the fact that, you know, Scotland Yard just said, this case is closed, <laughs> um, is pretty just surprising, because I think that I would like to hear more there, and I feel like he should be held accountable. Um, but I think also just revisiting this interview in general, like I actually watched, rewatched the Panorama interview ahead of mm. watching the Oprah interview just because I don't think I had ever seen it in full. I've seen snippets and it's fascinating to me that this, the Oprah interview is the second time that Prince Charles has been called upon to account for his behavior in front of millions of people, you know? So this, like we said, yeah. like Harry said, history is repeating itself. Like my question is like, what's going to happen this time? Yeah, I know. And to hear so many updates over 
what the fall that we started to hear about the panorama interview being investigated again and then it goes it just is like a dead end it just doesn't feel right um my high this week is that beyonce posted on her website in support of megan on beyonce.com the main image on the website is a picture from when they met at the lion king premiere on the red carpet and beyonce wrote thank you megan for your courage and leadership we are all strengthened and inspired by you as well as a number of other celebrities that have come um, in her defense and supported her after after the revelations from the interview so i thought that was really wonderful oh it's not as good as beyonce being on the podcast but that's pretty awesome i love that <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> no, she's no, not no. here um my high I'm sorry, is completely not Royals related. I think it's been a very tough week. But as you all know, who've been with us for a long time, Roberta and I are obsessed with the Royals, but also Ted Lasso. And, you know, peppered in my Instagram feed this week was that the fact that they won Best Comedy, Best Actor for Jason Sudeikis and Best Supporting Actors for Hannah Waddingham at the Critics' Choice Awards. And I just bring on season two of Ted Lasso and season three, which I think they're confirmed for. I just love every part of this. And it's also got British connection, a British connection. I love it. And more uh, Royals mentions on the Ted Lasso show. I feel yeah. Like. <laughs> I yeah. Wasn't there a Meghan Markle joke yeah, at one point or was. something? It was really funny. It was like episode one or two. Yeah. yeah and you were like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hooked. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a Royal rating on that purple icon app. <laughs> Sorry, what's wrong with me that I didn't understand that? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me for saying it. Um, I like it. I'm going to call it that forever. <laughs> this person wrote, as an American fascinated by the British Royals, this is my favorite podcast to catch up on news about the family. It's clear these ladies have a balanced view of the monarchy and a true affection for the queen. It's quite a time to be following the royal family as it grows and evolves. Looking forward to many more episodes in the future. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and the Facebook group. Drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God God save save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.